Well, I got a question for you. When are unit tests pointless? That's a great question. When are unit? I I, I think when when you're trying to get work done. You're listening to episode 186 of PHP Ugly. I'm your host, Tom Rideout. With me, as always, is John Condon. That's me. I'm not always with you. Liar! And Eric Van Johnson. Hello, hello! Did I, did I do that right? Who does hello, hello? <laughs> Somebody. Not me. We trade I would off. Never say, I, I would never say something like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm pimping my uh, Laravel News uh, swag. Or not swag, I paid for it, but <laughs> my Laravel News t-shirt uh in, in honor of the fact that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna see my friend eric burns this year so i'm rocking his uh rocking his t-shirt how's everybody doing is uh everybody hey. holding up society I is am. collapsing facebook is bad today yeah. what, what was bad today facebook facebook is bad every day what are you talking about it's been especially bad today uh you know yesterday was in Wisconsin, I think mm. uh, people people blockaded uh, the entrance to a medical center, uh, not realizing that the organization of the event was done by the Proud Boys. So you just had a bunch of random wackos showing up at a Nazi rally, essentially. What and, what, what what was the what was the thought process behind? I don't want to get into this. This is it's, too grumpy I, but I, I don't i don't care today now today people are coming out of the woodwork on facebook and saying that all this this stay-at-home orders are unconstitutional and it's not fair and you know who cares if 10 percent of the people die they're the weak ones and it's bizarre <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's i'm serious i i've seen that today oh my gosh it's terrible Oh man! Okay, it was well, in it was in Michigan, not Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, it's just as bad. It's just as bad as Congressman or uh, Rush Limbaugh, I think, or and some other people saying, "I'd rather get the economy back than it's okay to lose lives as long as we get the economy back." It, it's worth risking lives to get the economy right. going again. Yeah, yeah. It's, All right. It's, All right. It's the, this the whole situation is bizarre. I'm off Facebook for 24 hours, self imposed quarantine. <clears throat> Yeah, I've been off it for for weeks, man. You don't. Yep. It, it gets easier. Trust me. <laughs> right. I uh, do the same. Watching my watching my family, some of the things that they say, it's just like, all right, I really need to stop <laughs> for sure. John, I I I, uh, I have to I have to blame you, man. You had me on Amazon today looking at uh, keganators. <laughs> Oh yeah, Kegger Yeah, the 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 full like refrigerator ones. It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I could like get a whole keg in there, and <laughs> well, and like entry level is like three hundred bucks, which isn't bad. Well, or or free like thirty bucks free. Oh, is it free? It's free. Well, you just so gotta buy the you buy yeah, the John's beer. was, uh, but that's because you get pigeonholed into buying two liter bottles of beer through their system. No, well, I want to see, yeah. see, see you, now you're in this company Slack, Thomas. I know you've seen it. There, there's the, there's the little group of them, him and David. Uh, oh, I guess I shouldn't have said his name. I did though. There's, there's <laughs> two people at Diego Dev that, that have these now. And they're, oh, yeah. already start, they're already starting to figure out like little hacks and, and ways around, you know, finding all the little websites that show how you can kind of fill it without buying the proprietary beer thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, no, it's they've they've got all these little tips and tricks. I saw somebody talking about uh trying out the breakfast stout at 10 in the morning. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's fun. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I assume John is in the same boat with me because it seems like we've been in meetings nonstop. But I honestly feel like the last week or two, we have worked harder than we've ever worked for less money <laughs> since starting the company. Like this is the hardest we've ever worked for the for little money that we're bringing in. <laughs> Oh, oh my that makes sense. You're not kidding. Oh, man. Uh. And, and so many meetings now. It's, it's like uh everybody wants to wants to hear or, or I don't know if it's the quarantining or the or what it is, but everybody wants to have meetings. Everybody wants to get <laughs> just lonely. Maybe. I don't know. Awesome. But I'm coding. Eric, I was out your way yesterday. I, I passed by oh, yeah? a garden I passed by Garden Street and all. So Garden Road? We nice. Yeah, we had we had to make an outing. You know, go to the pharmacy, uh, made a stop at Lowe's to pick up an order. And since it's right there, my wife found somewhere way out in the 67, uh, out in Ramona, Ramona Grasslands Preserve. It's open. They just, you know, all the county parks have closed parking. So you, you can't park there. They really want it to be limited to people in the area. So we decided mm-hmm. we're going to take the, we're going to take the boys out there, let them do some bike riding on a trail. It was dead. We saw maybe, six people the entire time we're out there as we we get out of the car and we're walking towards the fence somebody stops on a 60 mile an hour road stops honks a horn at us and says i'm calling the cops I'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm calling the cops on you i just turned looked at her smile and gave her a thumbs up and then just turned and walked away man that vegetable okay, diet's thanks. really chilled you out a lot <laughs> Well, it's like, I've got it, my it was, kids with me. What, what am I going to say? I'm not going to yell at know, it. It was published in in the local paper today that that San Diego Sheriff, ha- they have they have started writing citations. But I think that's really for like the beach and I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. I don't want to talk yeah. about it. I'm tired of it. I don't either. I'm tired of it. I just thought it, it's just funny. You know, it was it, funny, actually. It, it's one of those things. Like if we got there and we saw 15 people in the parking lot, we would have turned and left. Literally no one yeah. there. Let the kids stretch their legs a little bit. Exactly. Whatever. Exactly. So I have finally I have finally achieved something I've been looking forward to for a while. As much as you've listened to me rave about no sequel and couch DB on the show, we finally have a project where we're we're planning on using it. And I spent the last week uh Getting refamiliar, you know, refamiliarizing myself with CouchDB, actually expanding my knowledge a lot about how to how to use it in a production environment and some of the caveats to it. And I tell you, man, I'm quickly falling in love, back in love with it. It is, it really, it's nice because it it has you think of data differently, which is occasionally fun to do. I mean, it's you know, it it, it really is like. It, it adds a new dimension to coding and to, to how you're storing data. And so lifting that barrier of having to have like a, a schema constraint on data and just saying, okay, I'm just going to create this database that I'm going to put these documents in. And I don't care what's in these documents, you know, as I'm going to look for certain data. So to get things going and to, kind of refamiliarized myself with couch. I actually implemented couch DB. So I started, I started hitting a bunch of feeds, a PHP ugly feed, uh, our SD PHP feed, our company's blog feed. And 
I started pulling in that stuff because I needed data to work with. And I started iterating through it all and figuring out, you know, what the best way to store it was and how to access it. It's been so much fun. I, I, I gotta say, it's been so much fun. So now it's like, I have I have a I have a database uh for PHP ugly and I have our show feeds in there but technically I could put anything I want in there. Now I'm actually I I did I redid the Diego Dev website um last weekend and I implemented CouchDB. Um so if you actually go to diegodev.com and you scroll down, you'll see a couple things. You'll see our latest blog posts, our latest uh, PHP Ugly podcast and the upcoming SDPHP meetup. All that's being fed from CouchDB, and it's it's actually really cool. I mean, it, it's it's it just really really has you think about your data and how you use it. So, like the the what what are you laughing about? Well, I was going to say you've got a picture of John on there with very dark hair. And I'm just doing the left-right comparison right now. <laughs> Some, our, hey, something happened website? recently. Yeah. Oh, the one of him and I standing in Chicago? Yeah. But then I noticed that I'm still listed as part of the team. Absolutely. Under, I have you on there as a podcaster. As a podcaster. <laughs> That's right. You're, you're um, right under Emily, our ambassador and herder of cats. So, I like this. Uh, I like this look. You like that? Yeah, that's yeah. all Tailwind. It's all, it's all, was all upgraded. Uh, over the weekend, but, and you know, it's like, there's, there's some dynamic things to it. So all the, the blog posts and stuff are being cached, but like in 10 minutes, if you refresh it, the third blog post is, I actually just pushed like an hour ago. So it pulls down the two recent blog posts, which were from 2018. So I guess we need to (laughs) do a new blog post, but the third blog post is just like a random blog post uh, that it, it pulls in to kind of give some more, um, visibility to it, but it it was cool to go through it and and see how this data was coming into the database, and then this this started tying together some other like patterns that I enjoy, like my repository pattern that I'm always harping about. I was able to write uh, repositories for each each feed, and then I set up basically how you communicate to the database. So if I need to add data to it. You know, everything's already defined in the repository, so there's not a bunch of weirdness. Did you continue? Did you continue using that sushi? Because we were having problems with that the other day. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so the one the one thing that did happen, and, and John and I probably spent a good amount of time debugging it, but uh, a few shows ago, we talked. We we had the discussion around sushi and how um, sushi. Is is a Laravel package that's touted as being the uh, array, the missing array driver, or something like that, where it, it was designed so that you could define arrays in 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 your models, and you didn't have to talk to a database. But the Caporzio, the 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 creator of Sushi, also realized that you could talk to a JSON endpoint and feed that into Sushi and let that be a, a model as well. And the benefit to it is it's a, it's an eloquent model. So once you pull it in through Sushi, you have all your eloquent functionality associated with it. So Caporzio came, did a talk at SDPHP. I, I spoke to him a little bit because it was, again, John's idea when we talked about it of, well, isn't everything that Couch does, isn't that all JSON? 
I'm like, yeah, it is. So I had talked to Caporzio because I, it wasn't working against a couch database. He gave me some ideas and I got it working. And I was actually very excited about that. We talked about it on the show. So I was able to pull in a database from a couch uh, a database server and pull it in through Sushi and have the model. Well, I went into this project thinking I was just going to do that. And I couldn't. I, w- I was getting these error messages. I'm like, I couldn't figure it out for the longest time. So John and I did some pair programming on it. It was a really weird I- error message. And uh, we started debugging it. And I guess a long story short, it looks like it's a sushi issue. And it's actually one that I want to go back to and see if I can actually contribute to the project to fix it. But what we discovered, which I didn't realize, or, or what it appears to be, we I didn't really confirm that. But it appears that Sushi actually creates a in-memory NoSQL database. when It's you, using SQLite, right? Oh. Right. SQL, yeah, SQLite. Yeah, you're right. Not, not uh, NoSQL. It was a SQLite, in-memory SQLite database. That's and. Rough. And uh, one of the feeds, do you remember what feed we're working on? Was it the podcast or was it the blog? I think it was the blog post. Yeah, I'm not sure. One of the, one of the feeds we're working on, I think it was the blog post. Ha- yeah, it was the blog post because yeah. it had the it had the big description and the big story. So it had the blocks of, of mm-hmm. data. And there was something about those blocks of data that uh, SQLite didn't like. And it was it was choking it must have been SQLite. A, so it's, it's got to be the amount of tech. It, the only thing that makes sense yeah that makes actually makes a lot of sense i bet you it is i bet you i bet you there is some sort of limitation on the amount of text that can be stored in a sql light column so so yeah so john and i found a little bug in sushi and i ended up having to scratch that and it it really didn't impact me too much because you know i'm still like making making stuff a collection and having some of the functionality I would have in eloquent where like I could do a first and that sort of thing. Um, so it's been fun. I, 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 I'm, and then on top about- of that, one of our clients, we get into a meeting with one of our clients and he became like a convert. He's like, he's now wanting couch, you know, in, in existing applications. Everything. He has. <laughs> yeah. So what what happened with the replication? You're having trouble with that last night too. Uh, trying to get continuous replication going. Yeah, we we uh, we got it. So it turns out that um, if you're interested, there there's two kind of I replication am. That's why I stores. Asked, asked about it. <laughs> there's there's back in the day when I was first doing this, there was only like one sort of replication store, and that uh, syntax I was using is how you initiated it. Well. There's now another replicate tour. So where I had replicate in in that URL call, that should have been replicate tour. So hmm. T O R, and that that actually fixed it. So my uh, the the <clears throat> David the 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 developer I'm working with on this, it, it's been fun. We we we've been getting together every day, and just kind of going through it and saying you know just figuring out different things like how we're indexing things and how you, you know, how you pull out certain data. The replication was a big thing because we're looking to automate a lot of this process. And uh, this is one of the nice things. Like everything you do, everything you do through the browser, you can do from the command line just using a curl request. It's amazing. I mean, it's just so crazy powerful. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, that's that's basically been my week. I've enjoyed it. (laughs) 
Well, I got a question for you. When are unit tests pointless? That's a great question. When are unit? I I, I think when when you're trying to get work done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how that works you, out for you. When you write when you write the test to confirm the code is doing what you told it to do. Yeah, I mean, but, I get I get what you mean, but I, don't, the, I, don't. I I wrote code. I then wrote tests for it. Test passed. I'm happy. There's a logic error in the code. So because I didn't think of the test previous and write the test first to get the edge cases and get everything figured out, I wrote the test to make the test pass when the code <laughs> wasn't wasn't correct. Basically, so it's just another notch for doing test driven development. Think <laughs> about think about your use case, your edge case first. Think about your inputs, your outputs, what you expect, and then write the code to make those pass. Versus assuming your code is good and writing the test because that yeah, was frustrating. I, that's <laughs> always the risk of of testing is that testing is really just knowing what the edge cases are going to be before they happen mm-hmm. mm. and and making sure that those edge cases are handled but when another edge case comes up that you didn't think of good luck so let me ask you a question thomas and john feel free to, to pipe in here but we've had this discussion <laughs> when do you worry about edge cases when you're coding when you're starting a I fresh do. project when you when you when you start a fresh project and you're getting ready to do lay down your first code. When do you start to worry about edge cases? When when does when do you have to figure that out before you start co- before you do the, your next line of code? That's all I do. If really? if you're good, you do it. If you're good, you do it the entire time. I mean, that's that's what I would define as wisdom. Uh, it, you know, for me, I, you know, to to put it in D and D terms, Intel is knowing how to write the code. Wisdom is knowing where it's going to go wrong before you even run it. You know, it's I, I've seen 20 years of cases on the web where stuff breaks. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have that in my head when I write. You know, I don't think about writing parametized queries. I just write parametized queries. Mm-hmm. I don't think about input sanitization. I just sanitize all my input. So it's it's part of the process of writing the line of code. Now, caching is the thing I think of last. So when it comes to the final sweep of the code before it goes out into production, that's where I'm writing my caching checks, but I'm not looking for any edge cases at that point. Mm-hmm. I've already got all my edge cases handled hopefully by then. Mm, interesting. But you're still you're still not actively writing tests, are you? I'm still not. It's we don't right. have a great barrier between our controllers and our business logic which makes writing tests difficult to start with. And then we have such a fast, uh, we have such a fast rollout time for all of our stuff. We have so much stuff backlogged that it just, we can't get to it. That's one of the, one of the things I'm loving about the newer versions of Peach, having all the type hinting and return Mm. types. I've really been loving that recently. I rewatched, um, Andrew Cassell's, uh, what was it? The using crap blank through a blank. <laughs> You're so good at this. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This this is horrible. I just um, <laughs> you're not making it any better. Uh, immutability, immutability to save an oh, ever changing right, world. Right, right. Ah, wow. That was that was brutal. Um, so use using using value objects, immutable objects, and then type hinting on those, so you know you get good data, and then having these classes that are super testable i've really been enjoying that lately and yeah I, i'm go- on i'm on board with that that goes along yeah. the lines of 
the what I we talked about on that other client project is let's write the tests, write the classes first before defining the the database schema. I think we touched on that last mm. week, though. Yeah, we still have to do that. Actually, I, I want to see that process, but yeah, and, and you even you even I forget what I was coding, but you 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 corrected course on me as well as far as breaking down something to so it was more testable. I forget mm. what that was, but yeah, yeah, it's been fun. So I got a question now, with with the recent release of Laravel what seven six? <laughs> Sorry, Thomas, you're up to date, right? <laughs> oh boy, do I have a story for you! With the recent release of Laravel seven six, and I've already seen this, and it's been in the back of my mind every time I do a composer require now on a project, I I wonder if I'm crippling that project because of upgrade path issues. So as fast as Laravel moves, it's become very clear that the package developers for Lar- that for Laravel pack well package developers in general, they're not Laravel specific packages. Any package can be installed in Laravel, but the ones that are dependent on the version of Laravel specifically, they're not being upgraded as quickly as Laravel. Um now ho- with Simver, it doesn't seem to be impacting it as much. Uh, I have to say, from the beginning of 7 on through, any package I put on a, a, a project haven't, haven't broke, hasn't broke yet. But I did get, I had a lot of pain upgrading 6, Laravel 6 uh, projects to 7 because not of, not of any fault of Laravel but because of the packages that it depends on. So do you guys have any rules on when you use a package, when you develop it yourself, and do you have any concerns about being overly dependent on packages when doing a project? I am no longer using Laravel-specific packages, and if I want that functionality, I'll write my own service provider. You know what? That's not a bad, that's not a bad idea. I mean, really, it, it really is not a terrible idea. No, it's terrible that I have to do it, but no, it's not. So, so you're talking about the any middle library? Like, there's a library you want to use, and then they make a Laravel specific one that's supposed to make it super easy to work in Laravel. Is that what you're saying? You don't use? That's what everybody does. Everybody's Mm -hmm. just writing a small wrapper for an existing larger project. That Mm -hmm. that all it does is create a service provider. Anytime I see stuff for Laravel. It's that's what it's doing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like the most complicated thing I would see would be a driver for a different search provider or a driver for a different mail provider. But that's mm-hmm. still using an existing code base from somewhere else and just throwing a service provider on it. Maybe you so, know checking the contracts and adhering to it, right? But that's well, not hard. And, and that was going to be my question, though. So you feel like developing those yourself and that you'll you would be able to handle the upgrade path easier because you know what codes there you know what's it's actually dependent on i mean what's the thought there right because the stuff that these packages are dependent on mm-hmm. don't don't change between versions mm-hmm. the things that change between versions are added added functionality security fixes uh a new proprietary tech something like that Mm. Uh, the way route caching is handled, et cetera, mm. et cetera. But there's very few things out there that I can think of besides like the debug bar and the error handling pages that really change with the version. Everything else is just well. The, 
the rouse weeks. Fly, file has been moved all over the place. What are you talking about? <clears throat> I brought it, I brought that up specifically because last week I said I'm ready to go with 7.5. Finally, going to roll it out on Monday this week and rolled it out to one of our staging servers, which runs uh, Route Cache, which I don't run on Dev, and it spit out a damn nasty error. That completely, completely screws me. So, so there was a breaking. There was a breaking change in it. Is that what you're saying? Or? Yeah, a pointlessly breaking change. I hate it. What happened? You uh, figured out. Routes can no longer share a name. Named routes cannot collide. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say that. That does. That seems like a maybe you're misusing a behavior, and it's despite it's like a bug fix. Despite how you implement it. So a get route and a post route used to be able to have the same uh, named route to them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I used frequently in forms. So now I have to go through every form I have and add the word post to the route name mm-hmm. and update every route in my 1000 route file or files and check for where there's a collision on a route. Yeah. Because get and post, you used to be able to say you know, admin.form.user. Mm. And you could have a get and a post route for each one. And because the route tool is totally agnostic to, to the method, then as long as they had the same endpoint, the URL endpoint, there was no problem. Yeah, see, that that's makes, a tough that, one. That makes sense. It, it seems like you're exploiting a bad behavior there. I mean, I think John John suffered something similar when yeah, you realized but he was using a package wrong. But when, his use case makes sense to me now. That you're saying it because I, I see doing that, but it's not the same route though. That that would be, it is the same route. It's just one's a get and one's a post. And the right. what you're using to display that but, if it's going to the same place, and the logic doesn't collide because there is extraneous data in the request that says which route I'm actually referencing. And Laravel resolved this perfectly. It never had a single problem resolving which method I'm trying to call. So mm-hmm. I had I had full systems that had get, put, post, delete, all on the same route. All because, on the same named route. Right, because the named route referred, in my mind, to the object I was affecting. Mm. But yeah, now... Know, man. That seems, seems like a bad practice to me. Sure, it might, be, it might be a bad practice, but it's an unnecessary change as well. If you look at the documentation for why he did this, he just did it because I, it doesn't seem like it's a good idea to do named routes that collide because because somebody else is probably affected that had the same named route that had two different endpoints mm-hmm. and yeah, but they were getting what, what happens they were getting the wrong takes one the one that's defined last right that's, but somebody else complained about it and he's like well then they shouldn't be we shouldn't allow the same named one so right. to prevent somebody from doing that that's the thing somebody complained about it inconveniencing them for about five minutes and it cost me Six, seven hours. Six, seven minutes. Come on, it's six, seven no, hours. No, <laughs> I'm not kidding when I say I have thousands of defined routes. I have thousands. Every single one of them is a named route, and I yeah, have to go tough, through. That's a tough one for me because it, de- it definitely seems like a better practice to me. Sure, it's I a mean, better I, practice, but I, I the get... framework shouldn't enforce practices if there's no actual problem. Okay, okay, so maybe, that, maybe that's one that should have waited for a major version change this was a major version change one well, week then what are you complaining about and then a, and then one a, week later it's a it's a major version t- change so they're allowed to break things 7.6 that's not major that's 7. Not. 7. No. 5 is 7.6 is so major. i'm in the middle of 7.5 update 7.6 comes out 
And here's all these new features that weren't there last week, and now they're here. Is this was this route one one of them? No, <laughs> but it's like it just it was just you know when you you see a TV show, there's a stack of papers on the guy's desk, and his boss walks in and just throws down another stack of papers on top of it. Right. That's what maintaining Laravel is turning into. <laughs> Every week, I yes. have to look at the stack of papers. And while I'm looking at it, someone puts more paper on it. Our our, our, okay. our chat is split on this. Uh, it looks like Gishu is is sympathizing with you, but he says that uh, he says that actually in Symphony you have to you have to define them by methods. And uh, that's how it. That's how I thought it worked in Laravel until it didn't. <laughs> Imagine if he says. It works in Laravel like that, where you have to define the method, and then all of a sudden it doesn't. Right. That's the situation. I thought this was a supported functionality. It was supported until the benevolent dictator said no. Well, actually, I'll, I'll go. I'll go even further than that. He said in the upgrade guide that it was an unofficially documented feature of routes. Okay. Route. So he says route unique name. Even though never officially documented, previous Laravel releases allow you to define two different routes with the same name. So it was a feature. But it was a bad feature. Glo- global variables was a feature at one point. It was a bad idea. So we fixed it. But this, this is, is kind a, of the same thing. This is just a pain in the ass. This is, not, this is not improving security in some way. This is just screwing with people pointlessly. I don't know. I don't agree with it's that. Not, I, I think that's going too far. It is fixing potential gotchas of other developers. Yes, it screws with it screws Okay, with that's what the that deprecated tag is for. Deprecate that's what the I functionality. Like I, I would like to see more of that. I would like to see more of, if, hey, this is getting deprecated. You know. Right, if you're going to arbitrarily introduce changes, then at least deprecate first. But like right now, I can tell you, Taylor doesn't know what's in 7.7, and it's going to come out next Wednesday. Mm. That's a shit show to me. Like that's yeah. a total that's a total shit show. If you don't know what's in your next minor release and you know it's going to happen next week, well, because it's know. just like well, he, the he weekend. Just waits, he just waits yeah. till he gets a couple of commits and then then pushes. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm going to get like six pull requests on Saturday. I will review them on Sunday and then I'll push it on Wednesday. Like that's what's going to happen, and that's killing me. Like my company has stricter standards for when we release changes to our product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 apparently, Symphony. Uh, uh, deprecate, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. I'm just going to say Zion. What? Zoinky Zoinks? What are you talking that? about? Is it Zoinky Zoinks? Oh, <laughs> I, didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even do that. You're awesome at the Zoinky Zoinks. Now that's my favorite name. Zoinky Zoink. God damn it. I've been calling him <laughs> Zion this whole time. <laughs> it's just. So apparently, apparently Sym- Symphony does deprecation. So. Of course it does. It's Symphony. Symphony does everything right. Mm. But my, my issue now is not only are things getting done wrong, but they're getting rushed out the door without getting the proper checks and balances, causing these backwards breaking changes. I mean, mm. and and there's no pre-announcement. I, I, I'll, no... I'll, I'll, I'll give it. Well, but you you said, I, so this is where I'm getting a little, my disconnect is happening. Though. You said that change was part of the seven upgrade though, right? Yes. I th- okay, it was so, part of the seven at some point. I don't know it actually when it's in the upgrade docs for seven, hmm. but the upgrade well, docs for seven get updated with the newest patches. I gotcha. Okay. So I don't know right, where that, it was introduced, fair. but still, mm-hmm. you know, and then the yeah. 7.6 introduces the collection until method, 
string empty methods, string trim methods. No problem with middleware skipping. Features. That's that's what that's what releases are for. Except you, that you, you one of the new, new feature that's 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 when you do it. I mean, one of the new features might be backwards breaking because the queued listeners had a retry after property that you could reference. Mm-hmm. And now queued listeners can have a retry after method, which means that if you had already implemented your own retry after method because it wasn't implemented in the queued listener, now it's going to get run when you don't expect it or it'll get run twice. So that's a backwards breaking change. That's a change should, in the contract. Maybe signature. you should think about doing Rails development, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> you really seem unhappy. <laughs> it's, I mean, it bugs me to say that these are point releases or small releases because that is obviously a backwards breaking change for somebody. It's not just a new feature. It's a fundamental change in the contract that allows for a new method that will get called mm-hmm. automatically by something. And if that I, method I'm, already exists. Right. We, we've talked about it in the past. Laravel has definitely reached a threshold where they, they need to have more discipline on, on their releases. Uh, you know, again, the, the amount of releases they're doing is just impossible to keep up with what they're, what they're releasing, how they're releasing, you know, seeing things like deprecations, seeing roadmaps of, you know, what's coming out, when it's coming out. When, when we start talking, you know, big implementations, especially the older code gets, it's like this, this stuff is, is challenging, man. I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Thomas. I mean, we have probably about a dozen or so Laravel applications in all different states. Because there's just no way to keep them yeah. all updated. I mean, you can't. Each one is is a project that we have to go back and visit <clears throat> and say, okay, how do we get this one up to date? And we actually just we actually just did an interview with somebody talking about that, where they write little websites for clients, and they may have dozens out there, and they're they're currently in the process of choosing: are they going to go with Laravel Symphony? Uh, they've been using their own homegrown one for a long time, uh, but they're they're outgrowing that and wanting to switch. They're but leaning more towards Symphony WordPress just because happens. of this. I was, yeah, I was excited about that. We, I, I ask you, when is Laravel going to introduce a self-updater, and when are they going to make all the exact same mistakes that WordPress made, or when are they going to introduce a plugin system that pulls from packages? Like, uh, when does this feature, 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 feature thing stop? Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to install plugins or, or packages as plugins for my Laravel system. Can I just add that? I, I wrote it up and pushed it as a pull request. Can we see that in 8? Do you know that it's not going to be in 8 if he got on stage and said that uh, Laravel Peak is the package manager for the visual package manager for Laravel? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's turning into WordPress. It's, it's Easy, a problem. Buddy. Easy there. Getting a, getting a little crazy there. It's taken. I've, it's been five hours of my day yesterday, and it's been two mm-hmm. hours of my day today, and I'm not done with it. And five point six came out while I was fixing five point seven point five. Seven point six. Yeah. Seven point six okay. came out while I was fixing. I'm I am rightfully frustrated. <laughs> Real world, man. And if you look on the docs for for Laravel seven six. Elixir has been marked. The Elixir function has been marked as deprecated now. There you go. Now you know. See, it is a it is a a note on the commit log that says this should give Laravel LTS and Laravel stable users a heads up. Now, what is Laravel stable? I assume whatever's released, master. Because I know I know a lot of people pull from the dev branch. What crazy psycho! <laughs> <laughs> People that don't have a so, a product in production can do that, or if it's a home 
project, you can do that. If you're not making money off of whatever you're putting out there. Yeah. Thomas, I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm going to so change gears on you, man. I'm going to change gears on you. You, you had your rant. Please do. I'm going to take my, my heart pills. <laughs> too soon. Too hey, soon. Have you, uh, have you, have you gotten your boss to get you a subscription to PHP Architect yet? I know I don't like cross promoting, but we're going to do some cross promoting today. I haven't yet, man. I, I've got a couple things I need to hit him up. With. So we're we're actually recording the show tomorrow, and I'm reading through the magazine tonight because I've just been a bit too busy to actually read through it. And it's on a topic that I've I swore from day one I would never try to do this in PHP, and now reading reading through this article, I'm like. I can totally do this in PHP. <laughs> it's machine learning. There's a whole article on there on how to do in, in, yeah. it. Yeah. References a package that you can download from Composer to help you with machine learning. And I, I read the article and machine learning has always been one of those things like, nope, that's not a PHP thing. I would never even consider using PHP for machine learning. And then I read this article. I'm like, yeah, no, I could totally do that in PHP. Because <laughs> we, we've had a client now for some time who, who's just been desperate to implement some machine learning. And the, the, the client's business is actually a, a reasonable model for machine learning on, on predictability of where things would go wrong and when they should be doing patrolling certain areas and that sort of thing. Is this the reading letters client? No, no, it's a different one. Uh, this is our, our parking enforcement client. And yeah, yeah, like that's said, the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. They have they have a real real use case for where machine learning can come into play of of trying to figure out you know writing tickets you know what what's the predictability of ticket getting paid and that sort of thing. So the clients for some time wanted machine learning. We've been looking into it and we've been trying to you know figure out okay you know where and how we're going to implement this. Again, this is where so many of these pieces of these puzzles that we've been working on really come together because. Um, with with this article, it even references the fact that a lot of times you're going to want to do, you're going to realize that you're not capturing all the information you want to do the machine learning to to train your your learning engine the way you want to train it. And right away, I I I, I you know whip back to well, if you event source everything, that's not a problem. So we event source everything. We realize that we want this information and now we can pump it into machine learning. We got to get event sourcing implemented oh, now. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I tell you, man, it all ties together. I'm pretty sure. And I mean, if I you're event sourcing, might as well put it on a blockchain so you know that it's immutable. No, 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 no. We put event sourcing into CouchDB. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> we tie everything together. So, uh, so yeah, I'm reading through this article and it's telling you how how to use uh, use this package to do machine learning in PHP. And yeah, that's that's one of the things they touched on there. Like, hey, you know, they're they're going to be they're going to be situations where you realize you're not ca- you're not capturing the data you need, and and you know you you, know, you need to think about that stuff. And it's like, oh man, yeah, machine le- uh, uh, event sourcing is what you need there. You need mach- oh man, I can't stop thinking about this stuff. I this is so much fun. It's like this. As stressful as absolutely stressful the last month month and a half has been, the fact that I, I I'm like I I've gotten back into actual coding again and I'm I'm doing develop you know real development again and and starting to implement some of these new things that we've talked about for so long. God, man, I just I fucking love this field, man. This is so much fun. <laughs> 
there's like always problems to find, always problems to solve, and always new stuff happening. It's so much fun. Like, please don't be finding problems. Solve them. That's what we do. <laughs> solve them before anybody else. That's the key, man. That's where the money's at. You, you solve the problem before anybody else can solve it. Now, the the best intro I've seen to machine learning is a video by a guy named Mark Rober. He is uh, an engineer over at uh, the national uh, NASA's space propulsion lab, the uh-huh. JPL. Uh-huh. And he did a video called stealing sign, stealing baseball signs with a phone. Oh, I, I saw that. I, yeah, I saw that one. That yeah. to me is the best introductory video on machine learning that you can get. Yeah. Because it's, it's something people can understand very quickly and it breaks down the, the places where it works and the places where it doesn't and how fast it works once it's learning. It's once it's learned. And it's a good use case too. It's a simple one. It's a good use case. So John, if you're not familiar with this video, this guy writes a, uh, writes an application for, for the, for us. Well, it's, it's on the phone, but it's not using any features of the phone. It's not like he's using the camera, but he then goes in the, the, the point of the application is to steal sign, uh, from, uh, from your third baseman. Yeah third base coach yeah so you know he's basically wrote this this learning algorithm that that figures out like what what's the pattern that the third base coach does and what what's the result of that pattern and it you know within like an inning or two he's figured and understand this is literally this is not like college level or professional level or anything like that but it probably wouldn't be that hard to no yeah it fully worked on professional level yeah and by like the second inning, he's figured out like the sign. Well, no. The, so the only thing they were calculating for was stealing a base. And the way it worked was he had That's right. two, You're right. yeah. he had two columns of button, one that said the action that was being taken and one that was where the action was occurring. So there was like tap, wipe, brush, um, push, stuff like that. So tap elbow, uh, wipe forehead, uh, touch chest, and in every time one of the third base coaches did this series of actions, he would t- he would copy the series of actions into the phone, and then say whether or not the person tried to steal the base. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with with baseball, typically what happens is there's an indicator. The sign that follows the indicator is the sign for whatever you need to do, and then there's usually a wipe off. So. That allows that allows the coach to give the indicator, give the steal sign, and then wipe the steal sign away, so that the other, the other team doesn't catch on the fact that you know tapping his head, tapping his chin was a steal. So they're, they're, that's kind of the basic principle. And and yeah, to Thomas's point, he, he's right. I, I misspoke. Yeah. It was only looking for steals. And well, the, the interesting thing though is that at, for a human to see this flurry of activity, there's no way to quickly decode what occurred. Mm-hmm. But for a computer. It just says every time the base was stolen, this chain of events occurred, which means that this chain of events is garbage data. So it had a very binary result to it, mm-hmm. but it worked very well. And so if you're interested in machine learning, check that video out because it's it's short and it's really good. You want to throw it in the show notes? Yeah. That'd be great. Which we were told we need to work on more. Yeah, who's giving you this feedback? Are you going to let us know who the uh, secret secret shopper is? Yeah, all of a sudden, John's got a fanboy. Is it Gishu? I, I want to know. No, zoink, I, zoink. 
I haven't no, seen Zoinky Zoink in here before. Now, now I'm suspicious. It's a it's a friend of ours. We we met him a couple years ago now at our kids' soccer game, and I know he's an F sharp developer and works from home. It's so we we've, we've been friends for a while now, and we've been communicating during this whole lockdown thing. And he was he sends me some very weird stuff. <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. It's funny, but anyway, he was talking to me the other day. And I was like, why aren't you listening to our show? Never thinking he would actually do it because he's not a PHP developer. And mm. and he did. And he, he gave some decent feedback. <laughs> oh, Zoinky Zoink. Look who Zoinky Zoink is. Oh, I see. Frank. We like Frank. We love Frank. Wait, why is Zoinky Zoink's Frank? I don't know. Frank decided to give himself a, a Zoinky Zoink name. I guess so. Don't, now I'm don't confused. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm Eric. Uh, <laughs> moving on. PHP Storm. <laughs> Uh, might uh, try to call you back from the the depths of your Microsoft code editor. I, Have you seen twenty twenty point one? I upgraded. Yeah, I upgraded. I think this morning, and watched the the video about the new features, and I'm super excited about it. What are the Me new too. features? Oh, I didn't see the video. Oh, post the video. Is that in? Tw- tw- it's in the. It's in the link. Oh, I didn't see a video. What's the new um, features? So part one, uh, native composer.json support. Uh, it will parse out uh, and search packages for what you're trying to install. So it will autofill for you and pull the versions and help you out with all that. Auto completes your you, it auto completes the sections of your composer JSON file. Uh, as you're doing your namespaces, it helps with the the pathing for you. The do you, do you guys add packages in the actual file? I usually do. Yeah. Do the composer require? That's I what have I do to too, do it but... in the file sometimes. Hmm. Really? Um, but it also supports updating packages via context menu in the editor now as well. So you can actually autocomplete and then right-click and update all packages or install package, uh, everything you need you could, to do. You could jump to the location of the files just by, I think, alt-clicking on the package name. It'll take you to the vendor directory and where it's located. Mm-hmm. And, find, honest, and find I, usage. I never, never do any of that. I do that constantly. If I do it, I'm in the code following something. I've, I've never yeah. been in a in a composer package like, hmm, where, what's these files? What do these files look like? I've never had a need for that. Uh, you, if you, you have a uh, point there. if you have custom commands defined in your composer, you can execute them from within the editor. That but one's the, really cool. The big That's stuff cool. that I think is going to be good is the type tracking. Mm. Uh, so previously, yeah. if I defined three objects and then put them in an array, PHP Storm would lose track of what those objects are. It would lose track of what type of object they were, so autocomplete on those objects yeah. would be broken. Mm-hmm. Well, if, now, you're loop, if you're looping over the array, you would often have to, I would put within the, the for each loop, a uh, doc block to say, okay, now this dereference variable is this type of object. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you don't have to do that. Now it tra- it keeps track of the type of object. Um, it does that in four reaches. It does that in array map and array filter. Uh, it does that in uh, initialized, previously initialized arrays. And there was one other place it did it. Uh, somewhere else. Mm. But, uh, it tracking but beyond types. that, yeah, beyond that, though, if you do already have the doc block to say what the type is, it will remove it for you. It'll say, oh, I already know this. You don't need the doc block. Right. Which, which John got got me doing this week as well. He's like, you know, oh, you're, you're defining the return type, so 
take it out of the doc block. I'm like, well, I just have it there for documentation. It's like, no, 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 take it out, take it out. You're introducing potential error through drift. They don't, you don't want it as doc. Any, what is the good? I was gonna say any of the the packages that create your documentation from your doc blocks should be taking into account your returns or your parameter types. I'm curious about what the PHP debug and HTTP client is. What is that? You so, no longer need to bother with parameters. Go ahead. You know it? Uh, to a point. So you can spin up and do uh, HTTP uh, scratch files to hit your endpoint. Mm-hmm. And now you, from within there, you can turn on debugging and it will send the cookies that oh. are necessary to start up your debugger. Have, have, have you ever seen that feature, Tom? Is that, that was one that blew me away. I think I saw it at PHP World last year. The all the stuff you can do in a scratch file in Storm. Yeah, <laughs> no, Tim, I've seen some of it. It's yeah, crazy, Tim man. By it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Everything you can do in the scratch file. I never use it. I but I, <laughs> I saw Tim's talk. I'm like, that's insane. I need to start doing it. Then I don't do it. <laughs> um, proper uh, proper type passing for the double underscore get magic method. So if you're using that now and don't have a type defined, it will try to figure the type out. Oh, this is what I need right here. Advanced spell check and grammar corrector now. Mm-hmm. I, I am I am a grammar idiot, man. This is uh is this something I need to enable or is it enabled by default? Jeez, Should I be. I think it just replaces the existing spell checker. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. I I like the the fact in terminal because I use that all the time in PHP Storm. You can now split them vertically and horizontally versus having multiple tabs. You could always do that. No, not not the terminal window. You can in the editor window. Oh, the terminal window. Oh, right. yeah, that is that is helpful. Yeah, maybe I'll use the terminal I, more, more. I often have one. I I abuse Docker in ways I'm probably not supposed to, but I always have a terminal window for my local system and then a terminal window where i'm shelled into my docker container to do whatever i want to do in there yeah but but you but and and you do that within storm obviously is Mm -hmm. what you're saying yeah see i never use the terminal in storm and i it's 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 just muscle memory for me i just tab over to my iterm i i should really start to use because i get too many terminals open so i really should start to use the one like Especially the ones that are project specific. Like if I'm working on this project and I need a terminal for this project, put it in Storm and not not clutter up my iTerm sessions with it. Yeah, I've been using it more and more for a while now. And the fact that it's a, a quick keyboard shortcut for me to pop it open, I can close it back down and not worry about it. it I've been really liking it. What is it? Oh, there's an SSH, unified SSH configuration. That. All right, now I got to watch this video. See, I, I, didn't, I didn't even watch the video, so... I just I did the upgrade, but I didn't even bother to see what what you know what was all added to it. So I'll check it out, man. That's cool. There's a new uh, Git interface. The uh, new branches workflow. Oh, this is all in PHP Storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge up. Did you see? Did you let, let let's segue then? You talked about the new Git interface. Did you see the new GitHub pricing plan? Holy smokes! <laughs> yeah. Well, holy <clears throat> smokes, man. So I had I had a lengthy conversation with some of the Diego dev guys about what's going on with GitHub and Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And my end conclusion is that Microsoft is going to be turning to Linux server management soon. And when I say soon, I mean, I mean, that's what their cloud is. Well, when I say soon, I mean, in the next 10 years, you're going to be looking at Linux client. 
Um, I mean, we, we've we, we've been speculating that for a while. Well, I've got some new insights into it. Uh, yes, you're the big an one. The big one is is that they released their new version of DirectX, which is their 3D graphics processing software. Mm-hmm. And the previous one was DirectX 12. The new one, which is going to be released alongside the new Xbox console, is called DirectX 12 Ultimate, which to me indicates that they already have a DirectX 13 in production or in development that they've released mm-hmm. to certain third parties, but that it's not going to be done in time for the console, which is going to be a seven or eight year product. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that the new DirectX is involved in a Linux kernel based system and that the next big version of windows will be a Linux based desktop, similar to OS X. Mm-hmm. That is yeah, my theory. That would be interesting. I'd be interested to see that. I, I so, so what you're saying, what you're saying is, I now need to go on my calendar seven or eight years in the future and say, check back to this date to see if Thomas was right. And you you've done that. Do you've done that before. <laughs> I say, do, do it, it again. <laughs> I dare you. Well, what, what was it? I, I said, I said, uh, I said Microsoft would buy Ubuntu or nope, something. Nope. I, I, I had said. That Microsoft would acquire JetBrain. Oh, JetBrain. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, that would that would actually. I, I said somebody should buy JetBrain. I forget who it was. But yes, yes, yes. And I still think Microsoft is going to make a play on Ubuntu. I, I, I still have that out there. That's out there in the ether. All right, it's late. I'm tired. I'm sick of looking at you too. Do I have one more oh. thing? No, I don't. Go ahead. <clears throat> no, nope, I don't. I just had to had to check my. Uh, Trello board first, something that uh, John doesn't even know what it is. Okay. <laughs> As I'm right. looking at it right now. What are, about? what are we talking about? I'm lost. I don't see anything on the Trello board. Well, there's nothing now. That's I the point. Oh. All right, that's it. Episode 186 is in the king. I'm your host, Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. You keep keep it, it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.